0: This episode is brought to you in part by our Major Spoilers VIP members around the world. Thank you for your support of Major Spoilers and the Major Spoilers Podcast Network. If you would like to become a bronze, silver, or gold VIP member, go to members.majorspoilers.com and sign up today. Thank you in advance.
1: The Major Spoilers Podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Zach. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Stephen. And you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans.
0: In this issue, the name Spoilers, Major Spoilers, we'll have two vodka martinis shaken, not stirred, one yoo in a bottle, juggled, not thrown, and a monster rehab gently cradled in the loving bosom of a cougar from Milwaukee. The reviews are loaded and copyright questions are answered and Stevens pens a laser torch and I think Rodrigo's beard is actually a full-size armored personnel carrier. We may lose gracefully, but it's hard to tell cause we've never lost before. Enjoy it all while it lasts. worth to live by cause the Major Spoilers Podcast is on the air.
1: Welcome to Issue 590 of the Major Spoilers <laughs> Podcast. I want to thank each and every one of you for downloading this show and remind you that this show is brought to you by our VIP members. They're the ones that make this show possible. Yeah. Um, we want to do more shows. Maybe we can get more people to jump on board. you ever been...
2: thought how crazy it is that we want to do more shows? Yeah, I want to do more shows. I know, so do I. But it's like when you, li- when you look at the list of how many shows we already do, like... We are yeah, closing in more. on 600. Let's Listen to this, more. listeners.
1: We are... We've announced some stretch goals over at members.majorspoilers.com. I would love to hit the second one by the time we get to uh, 600 episodes, which is only 10 episodes away. Yeah. So 10 weeks to get uh, 600 subscribers, 60 episodes, 60 new subscribers a week, mm-hmm. two, five, ten dollar a month. I don't know, Rodrigo. I, uh, you know, somebody was saying last week, oh well, you know, you can cap the limit of how much you pay for a Patreon stuff, that kind of stuff. But we're not asking you to pay per show, yeah. right? We're saying if you want to help us out mm-hmm. and ensure that shows continue, like Zach on film or Zach plays or anything like that, that, uh, shows that two, bucks, two bucks, two bucks a month. Stuff. Yeah, and uh, in the end, if
3: you want to pay something different, you can. Yeah the uh, the grades that we have are merely suggestions. If you'd like to. Pay more than a gold membership is worth. That's fine. Yeah, we don't have that set up yet.
1: But I mean, you could do a one-time but, donation. But, sure. You know,
3: you're, you'd you'd essentially get a gold membership and mm-hmm. the added satisfaction of giving us even more money. Yeah, yeah. If you want to pay something that's between the uh, silver and bronze membership, you can as well. I mean, yeah. sort of a
0: molybdenum
3: member. Yeah, without that's, the that's right. Stance. A nickel membership.
1: So that's what I think is that's what I think is good. And I was, uh, you know, so if you're a current subscriber, you know, thank you. If you're a lapsed subscriber, if you're someone that uh, had let your payment slip by because your credit card expired or whatever, I'd encourage you to come back. A lot of things going on over at the uh, member site, including a brand new bonus tracks for September. Return of the Jedi, which was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. One that I wish I could have made it for. I would have loved to
1: do that. Yeah. So what we consider you, our listener, for those of you that are contributors, you're our partners in this endeavor. And we want to move forward and continue to provide more great content. And there's more coming. Go nice. go check out. There's some hints and teases over at Uh Dwayne Johnson, Black Adam. Yeah. The Rock. Now, you know, we haven't really seen an official announcement from Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. You know, that's no. still the weird thing. Uh, but <laughs> the writer's been hired mm-hmm. uh, for the Shazam movie. Dwayne Johnson tweeted that he will be um, Black Adam. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's a producer on board already. Yeah, um, Hiram Garcia is producing the movie based on a Darren Limke script. There's no word on start date or anything like that, and there's actually been no official word from Warner Brothers that yes, we're going ahead with this movie. So, it's it's really kind of crazy.
3: It is, a, yeah, that's weird. Well, I mean, it kind of
2: stems off from Comic Con. Well, with but it goes, weird goes back per, with how weird their presentation was and didn't announce anything, and then brought on three of the biggest characters in the DC universe <laughs> and just like said, stand there for a second.
0: Okay, <laughs> a cameo see, see you yeah. later. See you later. Don't say anything. Not only that,
3: but, like, one of which is a very, very well-known star, two of which are pretty big stars. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, everything about it is, like, you figure they at least let Affleck say something.
1: Yeah. uh, I think it was Kevin Smith, right, that said that that, uh, Ben Affleck kind of suffers from... You know, stage fright when he gets in front of large uh, crowds. Does he? So that may have been another reason yeah, too. But impossible. you know, if even if he does, even if he sure. does, that's fine. But it was still weird that it's just like, yep. all right, you people, we're rolling <laughs> you out and then cracking the whip. All right, back into the, your cages. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> back into makeup. Oh, maybe they were lookalikes. That's maybe. possible. They could have been like likealooks. Maybe they were mandroids.
0: Yeah. he's <laughs> just like I've, the I've way seen Gal Gadot. She is not a mandroid. Yeah. The way that W or Warner
2: Brothers has just been handling dc stuff post nolan trilogy and then post man of steel backlash has been really timid and i I think we've talked about it before but a lot of that could come from like marvel's in the face nature of edgar wright ant-man how Mm -hmm. that kind of blew up on them and has kind of and that has been really like i think you've said it before it, they only pushed the, the movie back a month. Right. And they're still going to be on time. So overall, it really didn't hurt them. No. With their release schedule, but just like the
1: reaction from the internet. Yeah. And I think that is, I think that is in large part the internet's fault. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Especially websites that like to um, run rumors that have literally no basis for reality and saying, well, this is happening. Mm-hmm. No, it, it's not happening because no one has said that it that it is happening yet. And uh, the most recent one today just has me all irate because it's obviously clear that the only reason why this one particular site is saying, well, we've got this hot rumor is because it's link bait material. Mm -hmm. And the problem is that suddenly every other site doesn't read the entire article Mm -hmm. and then they start playing telephone and the next thing you know, it's confirmed that this is happening (laughs) and that is total BS.
2: And then two days later you get... Oh yeah, no, sorry guys, that that wasn't happening. Yes, and then uh, that, and then, then that cycle and then, then, that, cycle
1: go- and then yeah. that cycle goes through again. It's yeah. just link baiting. Now, I'm not opposed to link baiting when it comes to drawing content to your website. I I totally sure. understand the idea of link baiting, but I think it should be I think if you're going to use link baiting, I think it should be useful. For example, over at Major Spoilers right now, mm-hmm. there's an article called um, what is it? The 5 Hold on, let me find it here. Five it's called non-Caucasian
0: the Caucasian actors who could play Shazam. You could
1: do the five non-Caucasian actors who could play Shazam. That's a great link bait title. It's a great, um, it's a great content number yeah. one. But it's not sitting there with rumor and speculation and unfounded stuff. It's like, what if? Here are some good things. Or the five best Star Trek episodes all non-Trek fans should watch. Mm-hmm. It's not luring you in and then handing you a piece of poop. And saying, hey, yeah. thanks for coming, but, you mm-hmm. jerk. We're we going to go ahead and now announce that we had 10 million uniques this month all because of this title about this movie that yeah. is not even happening. Here's, here's the deal with that one movie. And I'm not even going to mention the, the property. You know what happens? You know what the story actually says? It says Warner Brothers sent out these comics to, um, to uh, agencies mm-hmm. to solicit a pitch hey, maybe we would consider this if there's a good enough pitch Ugh. coming on. That is in no way saying that this movie is going to happen. That is just saying, hey, if there's anybody out there that's interested in this, we would be open to it. That doesn't mean that they're going to do the movie. That doesn't mean that it's been confirmed. It doesn't mean it's going to go. It doesn't mean it's going to be one of the movies announced in the in the Mystery 8 uh, movies that that Warner Brothers has out there. You know what else they probably sent out? They probably sent out uh, uh, Kingdom Come. They've probably mm-hmm. sent out um, uh, Red Sun. They've probably sent out Red Rain. Hey, if you guys have some good stories based on these properties, go ahead and send them to us. <laughs> but for I people to they just jump on that and say, oh, this is going to happen. Oh, great. Is this-? No, that's, you know, it's fine if you want to speculate. You know what would be a great article? Five properties DC should consider in addition to the ones they've already got in the works. That's a lot better in my opinion. Now, that's my opinion. You know, the way that Marvel did it, um,
3: it you know, it's... it. It's going to take a long time, but maybe DC should consider the the thing is that you know we're we're back to this conversation, right, right, right. Um, That's fine. It's
1: it's always good to have (laughs) a conversation every two weeks. The the
3: thing about it is that DC is trying to beat Marvel at the game that Marvel invented, right? Um, And they shouldn't. They should try to figure out the best way to to play a different game to change the terms of the game. And I think one way. say what
0: oh go ahead go ahead
3: go ahead i i think uh one way of doing that is to actually go back to what marvel was doing before which is to have kind of exploratory properties first Mm -hmm. and then build that up right Mm -hmm. um you know marvel started out with blade um you know maybe dc shouldn't even say they're doing a dc movie they should just be like oh here's a blue beetle movie and like (laughs) at no
1: point say like oh this is like a you know, to, I, yeah, would, I would I like would love to see a Blue Beetle movie, yeah. especially the Jaime Reyes one. Oh, sure. That would be perfect. Yep, But whatever.
0: I think, though, um, it, it could be one of two things, because we started this by asking or, or or commenting on the fact that Warner Brothers has not commented on things that have come out in social media. Now, that may be. Warner Brothers as a beast being old and slow and well, too many brains running the dinosaur. Here,
1: I'll come back to that in just a second. Make sure we come back to that cuz I have a different theory on that. So go ahead with the rest of your comment.
0: Okay. But it may actually be Warner Brothers being really savvy about that social media presence because Dwayne Johnson saying, "Hey, I'm going to play Black Adam." and then Warner Brothers coming out and saying, "We're going to we're yes, The one thing that we have is a big star to play the villain in a piece where we don't actually, you know, know what the story is going to be or who the star is going to be. It may be something where somebody is really smart and letting other people do this advertising for them so that if and when they're ready to announce their missing eight properties or when they're ready to announce that Shazam movie, they don't have dribs and drabs of information coming out in an Edgar Wright situation and a big mess where people, you know, based sight unseen are now saying that Ant-Man is going to be Marvel's first failure, which I think is pretty ridiculous because that's also what they said about guardians of the galaxy based only on the cast members. And we know how that prediction came out. So it probably is somewhere in the middle, but I think it may be somebody actually being really smart about Warner brothers
1: presence. No, that's, that's actually probably not the case with Warner brothers, because if you've been following what's been going on with the Warner brothers company itself, They're in a heap ton of crap trouble right now. Um, They, uh, uh, Rupert Murdoch was going to make an offer on buying Warner Brothers. And, of course, that led to the speculation of, will we get to see X-Men and Batman finally meet in the movies? You know, it led to that kind of stuff. And then Rupert Murdoch pulled out and then stock dropped on Warner Brothers. And they have been talking to, who was the other one that was thinking of buying? I forget who the other one was. Oh, there's some Chinese... uh, uh, billionaire that is thinking of buying Warner brothers as well. But also this past week um, the president of Warner brothers came out and said, Hey, we're going to have to lay off people layoffs are coming for Warner brothers. So be aware of that. So more than Warner brothers focusing on, Hey, let's play up and announce these big eight movies in hopes that it will, will bol- bolster um, our stock prices or hurt our stock prices. Mm-hmm. I think Warner Brothers is trying to figure out how, from a business standpoint, they can move forward. Now, I haven't seen their, I'll be, I'll be honest, I haven't seen their um, annual report, so I don't know whether they're ahead or behind. Uh, and I haven't seen a quarterly report or anything, so I don't know if they're losing money. But when you're announcing layoffs, that's kind of a big, big deal. And they may mm-hmm. be more focused on that right now in, in, in the business side than the, the promotion side. That also being said, I think that there's still kind of some animosity towards an announcement that Nikki Fink had made before San Diego Comic-Con. I think
3: and that she got too many things right.
1: I think she got too many things right and spoiled it for them. And knowing how she is very hated in Hollywood, mm. they may just not be saying anything uh, to spite her. Now, going back to Dwayne Johnson, he had been teasing people for months, for probably ever. since the beginning oh, yeah. of the yeah. year, that he was somehow involved in a major Warner mm-hmm. Brothers movie and uh, kept teasing and teasing and teasing and... Leading up to Comic Con, because he was there for his um, Hercules. Hercules movie, there was speculation that they would announce Shazam mm-hmm. there. And then, of course, when they mucked up their Hall H presentation, <laughs> um, you know, they probably did just say, "Yeah, whatever is going out, let it go out, and we'll we'll make official announcements when mm-hmm. we're ready to mm-hmm. make those official announcements or when production starts." But I uh, I think right now, from a Warner Brothers perspective, they're being very quiet because they don't want to yeah. harm the studio. On bad press. And when you're and here's the other thing, the two major rumor sites fight each other on (laughs) these hot rumors where Mm -hmm. someone says, in fact, even the article that I'm referencing from from this uh, that that came up today, the writer of the article is even saying, I'm expecting this to be debunked any time now. But someone that I know and trust said that this was happening. That's fine. (laughs) The other rumor monger site turns around and says, well, our insider said this isn't happening and here's why. And then they get into a little pissing match and it's funny to watch them on Twitter (laughs) going back and forth at one another and really just basically getting in each other's faces over whose rumor, rumor (laughs) is Is, more correct. Is wrongest. Is wrongest, yes. So... Yeah, it certainly
2: seems that Warner Brothers isn't making big announcements proactively because I'm pretty sure there's been, like Joseph Gordon-Levitt has said a few things about Sandman Sandman. uh, updates on Sandman Mm -hmm. and we haven't heard we haven't heard an official yeah, we haven't heard anything from Warner Brothers really about that at all.
3: Oh, that is so weird.
2: Yeah. So who knows what's happening? I think it involves
0: Shia LaBeouf. I,
3: I think I think Warner Brothers is now just like their uh their promotional department, they they haven't said it out loud but they've just liquidated them. And now oh, yeah. they're they're taking the money that they were paying <laughs> them and just giving extra money to the celebrities in their movies
1: to do the produ- mm-hmm. to, the, the promotions themselves.
0: That would be actually interesting know, to see. Yeah, Kevin,
1: Kevin Tsujihara has told Warner Brothers employees that layoffs are coming at every level across the studio. They're coming in the wake of the failed bid by Rupert Murdoch's News Corp to buy the parent company Time Warner amid disappointing box office performances from this summer. Uh, Tusi Har... Uh, 2G Hara did not disclose how soon the layoffs would come at the Burbank studio, which is about 8,000 employees, and has been most consistently successful among the big six studios in recent years. It's been at or near the top box office and set a record last year with $5.3 billion in worldwide grosses. Um, uh, but what Time Warner is under pressure from Wall Street to reduce costs in the wake of the uh, Murdoch's $80 billion takeoff, uh, takeover Lord. bid.
2: What flops do they have this year in the box office?
1: Um... It doesn't say in this. Uh, let's see. I mean, three hundred. Rise of Empire. Okay. Edge of okay. Edge of Tomorrow, which I actually watched. That I
2: heard it's like, and it actually, was actually really a really good that, movie. I watched like the, that last like night. Like the advertising was really bad for that. Yeah. Oh, so it really here's
1: and here's this thing. And again, I encourage you guys to go and read uh, this book. Um, oh, God dang it! I I'm so used to my iPhone having the finger recognition, oh, the eye yeah. touch recognition that on my iPad I keep going. Would you just, just damn read my thumbprint? It's called Save the Cat. Okay? Uh, Save the Cat. It's basically your guide to succeeding in Hollywood. And uh, the first okay. chapter is all about a log line and how you have to have a great log line. I'm gonna get somebody in here pretty soon where we can talk about log lines. The second thing the second chapter is you need to know your genre and you better have your title down to where mm-hmm. people understand what the movie is about just from the title. Yeah. And when you look yeah, at Edge of Tomorrow, Edge of Tomorrow yeah. you have no idea uh-huh. what that movie's about. When you look at the now just DVD release and iTunes release of it, uh-huh. what's it been titled? Live, Die, Repeat. Live, die, repeat, colon, Edge of Tomorrow. That's yeah. a movie That movie has officially been renamed. And when you look <laughs> at a title like Live, Die, Repeat, it makes a hell of a lot more yeah. sense mm-hmm. of what this movie's about. And it was, mm-hmm. it was a good movie. Yeah, I it was enjoy really good. That.
2: But I mean, obviously uh box transcendence office. from johnny oh Depp. that flopped, flopped hardcore yeah uh box offices were jupiter down. ascending well, oh I, yeah they box... got pushed back yeah until february um box offices were down huge amounts
1: this summer yes yeah, very much so
2: very like like crazy down like
1: there has not been a movie since july that uh, with the exception of guardians of the galaxy that mm-hmm. has succeeded in their opening weekend guardians yeah. of the galaxy dropped off one week into second place
2: for for the ninja turtles for movie. the
1: ninja turtles movie it's but today. it has been number 1 since its release except for yeah. that one weekend mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and it has gone and just kind of this is kind of telling again august is not that big of a month for movies mm-hmm. um, it has already made the most money of all movies in 2014 yep. yeah. that accounts captain america the winter soldier that counts transformers, uh, transformers. that counts teenage ninja turtles
2: mm-hmm. I, I think uh, cuz when i looked at box office numbers for 2013 uh, Hunger Games came in top with over 400 million. It released in uh, October or November last year, um, and this, we still have that and The Hobbit to release, and I think there's a like Interstellar from Christopher Nolan stuff to come out. There's still some big movies, so I wonder if uh, it'll kind of bounce back to in the fall holiday season, and we'll see like more profitable movies because we've seen uh, number three highest grossing movie of this year is. Uh, Lego, Lego movie, movie. which mm-hmm. came out in February, which yeah. is usually a dumping ground for movies, and then Guardians of the Galaxy number one, which is August, which is usually late bloomers in the season. Right. So we've seen unregular release dates. Irregular. Sure. Profit mm-hmm. big lately. Uh,
1: Time Warner's most recent earnings report: Warner Brothers operating profits gained 29 percent to 234 million in the second quarter due to increases in home entertainment and TV, which includes Big Bang Theory, Shameless, and Two and a Half Men. Revenue declined 2.4 to 2.87 billion due to decline in movie performance. Warner Brothers' share of the domestic box office for 2014 is $1.08 billion, which is about 15% of the market in the third, and in third place behind Fox and Disney. That's far short of the pace of 2013 in which it led the U.S. box office with $1.86 billion. Certainly with the stock market bid takeover, the stock, which had jumped to $87 when the Murdoch rumor came out, fell to $72 a share um, when Murdoch withdrew. And so there's pressure from Wall Street to reduce the cost in the wake of that. Loss.
2: So half, half half a billion in box office over the summer.
1: Yeah, Ugh, that's and, and that's nothing to sneeze at. Well, yeah, I mean, no, when no, you're no. talking about movies that are, uh, that's like th- two or three movies right there. When yeah. movies, when the cost of movies is a, a hundred to two hundred million dollars for the big ones. Yeah, for the big ones, yeah, that's that's a big deal. And certainly when we're talking little ones, it's a big Especially deal Especially
2: And they're making plans for doing multiple hundred million dollar plus action superhero movies, they which maybe
1: why you don't want to get too yeah. many people nervous about. Justice League, Flash and Green Lantern, mm. Shazam, all these other things. So probably something that doesn't also sit well for Warner Brothers um at least their interactive gaming side. Batman Arkham Knight has been pushed back to June mm. of 2015. You got any thoughts on that, Rodrigo?
3: Yes. My thoughts are that I am not interested in playing that game. Here, I thought it was coming
1: out in October, and I went ahead and pre-ordered it. Like yeah. when it was announced, is this the day the one that
0: with, they said with the really cool pictures of Baby Bruce that we've been hosting. Uh, uh, no, that would have been the game before. That was the game yeah, before. Yeah, that was the game
1: before. This is the one where there's some mysterious. They did really quick back to back Yeah, there's yeah. some mysterious night that has appeared. And uh, here's, here's is, a
3: good thing about the fact that you pre-order that, Stephen. Now that Warner Brothers jumps. Can, can take that money. And put it in the bank and get interest on it for when the game actually came, yeah. comes well, out. Well,
1: or GameStop, yeah. who took my pre-order. Um, I guess the thing is that I don't know if they're doing a massive change to the game or what the delay is. There's not been any real reason for the delay. Originally, I thought again, I thought mm-hmm. it was supposed to come out in October this it could year. Be a marketing. Push. Then I heard it was I mean, January, and now it's June.
3: It could be. It could be any number of things. It could be that um, they're like, nope, we haven't marketed this. Properly look at mm-hmm. look at all the crazy stuff that Destiny is doing. Um, we need to do something better. It could be that somebody was like, "Hey, some aspect of this game is hugely problematic in some way. Mm-hmm. Either it's going to be super offensive to someone, yeah,
1: or more than likely ultraviolet, or,
3: or or this is or like the game is weirdly saying something that we don't want it to say, right? Or you know could could be any number of things could be mm-hmm. like oh we hired this voice actor and they didn't complete their lines and now they don't want to do it anymore or they're like in a pay dispute or something like that like yeah. there are so many things so many aspects to a video game that can delay it mm-hmm. um and once you get that delay in then you get this uh this kind of domino effect mm-hmm. because if they if like the issue is an issue of writing then they can't get the voice people together then the, the um, designers can't design things and mm-hmm. so on and so forth right so depending on where the problem is you kind of get this effect that delays everything else and did the
2: last game release uh, uh for next gen consoles then no it 1? didn't and that so was, that, that, was big, big that was a big
1: that uh, was a big problem with me because it's like oh i'm buying this new these two new gaming systems mm-hmm. i want to go out and buy this arkham game yeah. which came out like just a month before the release of the consoles yeah um, and suddenly they're like, no, we're not, we have no plans yeah. to release, uh, was it Origins? Was that what the previous yeah, one was? We so. have no plans yeah. to release Origins on PS4 or Xbox One. Wait till the next one. Yeah. And then again, no reason has so, been so given.
2: They have, they have to update their engines and take it well, the Well, but they were already doing that. But again, stuff.
1: this was already supposed to be planned for an October release of this year. Yeah. Everything was going along fine. And then they, then they stopped it. They haven't said why, but... As you'd mentioned, maybe they want to make sure that this is right because this is the final Batman Arkham game. Not only
3: that, but this is the first their first release on a on a next gen console. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, not necessarily for Warner Brother Games, but for the franchise and for this for this section of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. It could be any number of things. Mm-hmm. It could be that. Yeah. I mean, it could be the opposite. Sort of in a way, it's not that they're having trouble with the engine for the new thing. Is that? They've gotten through it and they're like, we could do so much more with this. Yeah, Let's yeah, yeah. take it back well, yeah, a so few steps a bit more. and amp this yeah. up because now we realize, you know, uh, you know, a year into production or however long, two years into production, now we know what the capabilities of this thing are. And the the fact of the matter with um, when you make that jump into in, a new console is... As designers and programmers and everything, you don't know what the capabilities of a console Mm -hmm. are Mm -hmm. until you've already worked with it, right? I mean, if you look at, like, nobody would have ever expected the glorious graphics of Donkey Kong Country on the Super (laughs) Nintendo. But eventually, people were like, dude, we can totally do this on a Super Nintendo.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and I think the other thing, too, is um, one of the new features is being able to drive the Batmobile. Mm -hmm. So there's a little Grand Theft Auto thing kind of going on there. Um, Probably without the killing of the the hookers and the muggers and all that. The the street is just lined with
3: Batmobiles that you can get into. (laughs) But check this out. The
1: the Batman Arkham Knight Batmobile Edition will include a custom art book, which is 80 pages long. Limited edition steel book, a unique steel book case and game disc. A comic book, exclusive character skin pack, transforming Batmobile statue. Fully fully transformable Batmobile statue. Into what? Released (laughs) in exquisite detail by Triforce. More than, yeah, I'm going to bet that it probably kind of transforms like in uh, Kingdom Come, uh-huh. where the Batmobile transformed into the the Dark Sentinels that were chasing the Cosby Kids down the alley.
3: Is that what happened in yeah, Kingdom yeah, yeah, Come?
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Jeez. yeah. I I can confirm this crap. Oh, okay. Okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was awesome.
0: <laughs> it was not awesome. Yeah, it was. And you know, they I really.
1: Didn't... I think it was,
2: how, the pushback from this might. To do with marketing because they didn't really have anything at PAX. Mm-hmm. Yep. No. Nope. And so they really. I mean, missed it could just be that it stuff. could be
3: that the game is sitting there, ready to go. Yeah. But they've somebody is like, oh, what's up next to to release, and they're like, oh, Batman Arkham Knight is like,
1: why haven't I heard anything about it? Well, that's well, I know so many people have been talking about Destiny, and I know we've run some stuff oh, on the site yeah. over the last year or two, but I really wasn't paying attention to anything about it until the last month when I was like, uh, oh, oh been, what's this I've Destiny? Been,
3: I've been tracking Destiny for a while. Because it for two reasons. One, it's Bungie's first like we're not Halo anymore yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, not their first, but like I think the biggest the big one, one. Is, is Bungie getting back into the uh, first-person shooter game. So from that standpoint, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. And second is they've done actually a really, really good job of slowly building up information about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um and uh the again that that kind of slow burn to it and uh, it's it's clear that their creative uh team has done a really good job with it um you can see a lot of things that are like yep yep these are definitely the same guys who did halo mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. of like the names of things yeah. sometimes yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that that sort of creative aspect where like in 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 halo you had like elites and i forget what all the other ones yeah and and hunters and stuff and And then also like all of the alien races have like mundane names they're usually not like the krugara or anything like that they're just like this is the brood pack or whatever (laughs) yeah so it's like you can you can see that and that in and of itself is interesting it's like it's the same group of people the same idea Mm -hmm. still doing space shooters but also taking a different direction so for me i'm very interested in it. it I, I'm not planning on getting a PS4 anytime soon, mm-hmm. but this is definitely the sort of game where I would be like, yeah, I could play a first-person shooter even yeah. though I'm terrible at it. I I'm don't like, know if this actually looks pretty interesting. M- my yeah. son was
1: watching the trailer today and he goes, Dad, this feels a lot like Titanfall. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, probably. We'll check it out. We also know some of the people that have worked on the game. We do? Uh, yeah. Uh, Bill Duran's wife, Brittany, yeah. oh, and does, his brother yeah, uh, work on that. So yeah. She
2: was handing out beta keys and we were at like, NerdTag. What? And, and I didn't, Did you get one? No, I don't, have a, I don't have a next gen.
1: No. Oh. Hello? Well, hey, she was doing it on I, Twitter? I better, I better ch- double check. <laughs> my friend Steven has, has a beta key <laughs> for this thing. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Zach. All right. All right, listeners, you can head over to MajorSpoilers.com. You can read these stories and more. So much more going on at Major Spoilers. And we appreciate everybody who heads over to the site and shares the stories and talks about the stories wherever you talk about the
0: stories. Talks about the sharing.
1: Also, while you're over at Major Spoilers, if you're going to buy something, I just bought some uh, RAM for my laptop. I decided to go ahead and upgrade it, and found a really cool way to upgrade it fairly cheap. Just click on that Amazon.com link over at Major Spoilers. Buy whatever you need to buy. You need to buy a new uh, computer. You want to buy a, a next-gen console? Yeah. And Destiny? Do it through that Amazon.com link. A little bit comes our way, and again, it's another way that we're able to do more things week after week after
3: week. And I think week. actually comes bundled. You can. Oh yeah. You can get, oh, yeah, get, you can get a bundle with Destiny. Well, there you go nice.
1: then. Let's get to some reviews.
0: Reviews.
1: So this week, Rot and Ruin comes out from IDW Publishing. I know nothing about this property. Apparently, it is a series of novels, and uh, now they are taking this Rot and Ruin and putting in continuity stories in comic books, and it's being written by the author of the series, Jonathan Mayberry. This is a post-apocalyptic zombie world. I didn't even know that when I first opened up the book, but... Um, Fifteen years ago, zombies took over, seven billion zombies running around, 30,000 people left, nine cities that are up in the mountains somewhere uh, protecting themselves from the zombie apocalypse. Uh, our lead character, what's his name, Benny, uh, his brother saved him when he was just a baby and kind of helped form these communities. He's an awesome samurai warrior type guy, runs around with a samurai sword, taught Benny everything he knows, and then the brother died, Okay. And everybody's just kind of content to stay within their walls. This is all prequel to this, what's going on. Everybody's very content to stay within the walls of their city until one day they see a jet, a big jetliner. Not like a Air Force jet, but a big jet flying over the area. Like a passenger. Yeah, and they're like, what the heck? And so Benny, his girlfriend, I think Nix, uh, this girl Lila, and his best friend Chong decide that they're going to head out into the Sierra Nevadas. And um, see if they can find out where this plane originated from. They're basically heading east. Yeah, I'm and,
0: interested in hearing about Benny in the chat.
1: And, um, of course, they run into zombies. Mm-hmm. There's some relationship stuff that's going on. Oh. And then, uh, finally, they find their way into this hospital. And I was kind of disturbed by the, uh, by the ending panel. Um, oh. it, it is very disturbing. Just because of the nature of it, and it does set up uh, volume two. But basically, if you get bitten, doesn't matter. You will just start eating anything that has a scent. One, there's one kind of cool thing. You know, we've kind of seen it in Walking Dead and other places where you splash yourself with the blood or something, and mm-hmm. zombies don't sen- sense you. So they call it uh, what is it? Carad Car Carvenoir is what they call it. It's like <sighs> a cologne. Um, But the other thing is if the zombies have no reason to chase anything, they will just stand there. And Benny makes a point that's that he says some of these zombies have been standing in the same place for 10 years Mm -hmm. because they have no reason to do anything else. So you see vines wrapped around them and everything. That's a good idea. Yeah, it is. That is probably the most creative aspect of the zombie genre that I like is that they, if they're, they don't chase after one another, but if they're going after prey, they will do it. Um, and how these teens stumble upon the, uh, the zombies is they're chasing a, a kodiak bear and tackling a kodiak bear and eating it and then they notice that these more prey there and then that's they have to make a rush to this hospital and they go in and oh my goodness the maternity ward oh, oh. a little oh. bit of a spoiler no. there no. rotten no. ruin number one is out this week it's got a 3.99 cover price if you're into zombies if you're into this series you're probably wanting to know what happens next from the books Uh, So you might want to check it out. I thought it was interesting from a zombie genre standpoint. I have no investment into these characters, so it's very hard for me to find an instant attachment to say, oh, I love everything about this. Um, The art is fine. I thought the art was good, um, but it's probably not really my cup of tea. Um, You know, I think a lot of people have heard me go on and on and on about the zombie genre in comics. Um, This kind of looks a little bit like that same Thing that's going to yep. happen again and again and again. The only thing that's a little different is these kids have been trained with like martial arts weapons to chop right. zombies which, and hack which zombies, which
3: kind of weirdly makes things less interesting. Yeah, is like the more in a in survival horror, the more badass your characters are. Yeah, the least mm-hmm. horrifying, the less horrifying it is. That's why are I'm giving all like teens.
1: No, they're all like fifteen, sixteen, seventeen years old. Yeah. So, teens. Okay. Cool. Yep. Exactly. Uh, that's why I'm giving Rotten Ruin number one, three out of f- five slices of meatloaf. It's, it's interesting, but I, I, you know, I don't know the backstory. Maybe these books that came out before were really, really awesome. Um, the author, um, Jonathan Mayberry is a New York times bestselling author. So probably got something going on there. All right, Matthew, what do you got for Stumptown? Number one, this is a new Greg Rucka, Stumptown. uh, series.
0: And I think there is a previous uh, yes, there is Stumptown arc, uh, Stumptown number one. So technically, this is Stumptown colon the case of the King of Clubs number one from Oni Press. I uh, believe was it out last week or is it out today? I think
1: it's out this week.
0: Out this week, okay. Um, an interesting book. Having not read any Stumptown before, but knowing the writer from other things, I kind of felt like I had an idea of what I was going to get, and I was wrong. Um, this This is a really interesting issue. It actually starts at a soccer game, a football game for people who come from other parts of the world, and the whole issue basically takes place in and around football matches. So we start with our main character, Dex, actually playing soccer, and then we end up with her and her younger brother and a friend who is called Mercury, which is an awesome name, by the way, going to a soccer game a lot of personality, a lot of character. There isn't a whole lot of plot going on. In fact, really what this is, is just kind of, this is showing us Dex's life for 20-odd pages. And then at the end, we get what's probably a hook for a big kind of detective thing, I hope anyway, some sort of mystery thing. It's interesting to see a book that is literally all character. I do like the fact that the main character is odd she's kind of bizarre and she looks kind of alternative and weird but she has really close friendships she has a really close thing with her brother i don't understand all of the references to soccer in the issue so there may be a lot of hidden things here it seems to take place in portland during a game with their arch rivals from seattle so someone can probably explain that to me in the in the comments. I, I, I well, think f- I yeah. think
3: that it's not it's that's not a soccer thing. It's yeah. that Portland's arch nemesis is Seattle. <laughs>
0: <Yes>. <laughs> okay, well, again, uh, it, it, it's something from the Pacific Northwest. I I'm a flatlander. I got nothing. But no, they have soccer I really in
1: the flatlands too.
0: Are you done?
1: I'm just pointing out.
0: I understand that, but I don't have Portland in the flatlands. Now, as I was saying. I really enjoyed this issue. I found it kind of surprising. And I'm not sure what, if you just pick this up off the streets, you know, expecting some sort of comic book adventure or some sort of ongoing mystery thing. I'm not entirely sure what you might think. And frankly, that's not something that I have to particularly worry about. I do like the sudden introduction of tension into this book. And I feel like it's really well plotted and really well done. I enjoyed the art too. Although if I looked and I know I've seen a previous issue of Stumptown and I know I've seen Dex, the main character before, under a different artist's pen. I really kind of liked the art in this issue better than that because she looked awfully uh, conventionally pretty previously. And here she looks kind of pretty in a more unique way that I really enjoy. Four slices of meatloaf for Stumptown, colon, the case of the king of uh, clubs, number one. Kind of enjoyable. I'd say pick it up. It's interesting. I want to see where this book is going. I think it's a four issue limited from Oni Press.
1: Cool. Uh, What was that? How many meatloaf slices? Four. Four slices of
0: meatloaf. All right. Four slices of meatloaf.
1: Rodrigo, Dark Horse Comics this week. Next week. Yes. I think. Yes. Yes.
3: Coming up next week. This is Eye of Newt number four of four. So this is the last issue of Eye of Newt. You may remember that I reviewed the first issue of Eye of Newt. um, And what I like about this issue is much what I liked about that issue, which is to say um, it has that old-school, kind of late-80s, early-90s comic book art where the panels are all all Sandman-y. Yeah. Um, And... um, it, uh, it, I think the the main reason to read, so uh, I have Newt. You discover as you read is basically a take on the Once and Future King. I mean, it, it is right. it is the story. Spoiler alert! It is the story of Arthur and Merlin, um, but largely in a very 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 fantastical way. Um, but uh, there's. Uh, a few things about it that make it stand out. Uh, One of those things is that its storytelling process is very old school um, in the sense that, I mean, it does, you know, it foreshadows things and it sets things up and everything, but it has a very kind of uh, superficial narrative, which I think in this case is very much a good thing. Like, it's basically like the main character is running away from some dragons that he stole stuff from, and he meets this critter, and the critter's like, I will help you if you do this for me. And he's like, do I have a choice? And the other guy's like, no, you don't have a choice. <laughs> so I was like, okay, uh, I need you to kill this giant. So he goes, we meet the giant, he kills him, he comes back, he gives him a magic horse. The magic horse takes him somewhere else, and then he finally meets his friends. Like, it's <laughs> like, it's It's that sort of like very uh, medieval or like Thousand and One Nights kind of storytelling, which is like, okay, so the character, so your main character, um, gets kicked out of a city. And on his way out, he meets a genie. And the genie says, I'll grant you any wish. And he says, well, I wish that I had another city. So then he does, but he gives him a tiny city. So then he goes, and then he exchanges the tiny city for, like, something else. And then that brings him another problem. And by the end of the thing, he's done ten things in the span of the story, but there's, like, not very much character development Mm -hmm. or anything like that. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what... um, what Eye of Newt feels like, uh, so if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, uh, I'd recommend that you pick it up. If you are looking for, I don't know, for really in-depth storytelling, maybe maybe this is not the the thing for you. And it might be. I mean, it, it is it is strange. The art is interesting. It is kind of. Um, I don't want to like. I. I Muddy makes it sound bad. It's like it's dark. There's a darkness Mm. to it. Mm -hmm. There's a um, kind of amorphousness to it. Low contrast. Um, Yeah. Definitely. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Which again, so makes it look like a comic from, you know, 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, it's not bad. It's definitely not bad. There's a very realistic looking toad in it, which I'm into. um magic horse that looks that that looks cool um so yeah i I'd, I'd say uh this is probably a three and a half slice of meatloaf uh, affair um and the very last line of the book you find out why the
1: book is called the eye of newt oh very cool so that is out next week right or is that, is that, out that out next, next week, week I I from dark horse comics all right zach let's wrap up with you yes. with a legendary star Lord number three yes, from I'm uh, last week
2: back talking uh Star Lord again, and I've continued reading this series because I just love it oh so much after reading the first two uh so when we've last left Star Lord, he had escaped uh this weird bounty hunter alien monster planet and had left his sister, and you kind of get the feeling he's gonna go. Kind of start taking on Thanos. Well, we don't really get that this issue. What we get is beginning. Star-Lord wakes up. He just got knocked out cold. And he is in prison. And just like we saw him doing the movie. And I'm sure probably other things besides this one comic series of Star-Lord. He must break out. Uh, and so that's pretty much what this this whole issue is. And so. I got to the end of the comic. Which, honestly, the whole comic is him teaming up with. This other uh this some agency, some weird galactic agency spy who's trying to spy on the Badoon and a little uh Badoon kid who had some had been reason been thrown in prison. They team up, they break out, they ditch the spy, Star Lord and uh little Badoon kid just rocket out of there, and they're just all cool and they sing Aquabats as they fly away from <laughs> from the Badoon prison. Okay. So <clears throat> I got to the end of the comic and thought, Hey, uh, this issue didn't really take the story anywhere. We got dropped into a situation, and, and by the end of it, he had said the same thing as he did an issue two. And then I said, you know what? I really don't care because I laughed a lot, and this was just good times. Which is not what the feeling I usually get from comics that are just seem to be stalling. Which, if you're stalling in the third issue, that would be weird. Um, but it just i think it plays off a lot of the characteristics of the character that many of us or many people including myself were introduced through Guardians of the Galaxy in theaters with mm-hmm. Chris Pratt who is uh the same voice I read this as and then i infuse mm-hmm. it his Andy Dwyer character from Parks and Rec cuz at the end of this he has like a cowboy hat on he's doing some like weird i'm a cool policeman speech which totally feels like <laughs> uh Andy's alter ego uh, oh man, I just forgot it
3: yes, detective, uh, the, the detective, the detective
2: uh, uh, uh yeah, 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 I literally just had my mind, I forgot it, <laughs> uh, but it totally feels like that, um so part of me hopes the story goes forward, and a big chunk of me hopes it kinda doesn't because I really don't want to get this title mixed in with a bunch of other stuff because I feel like if he's going to go Burt Macklin yep. Burt Macklin That's ah, right. there it is because right. uh, <laughs> it, 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 uh, Star-Lord's mission in this series is to take out Thanos Thanos is doing something with Earth and my fear with the title is if you're going to take on a big galactic man like Thanos you're going to start running in series crisscrossing in some weird event and I really hope that doesn't happen unless it's with the Rocket Raccoon book because I'm also reading that. Um, But so I really hope that this thing doesn't get caught up in event madness because I like just the weird uh, 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 escapades that he gets caught up in and you get to see uh, funny sides and caring sides of the character and I just liked it a lot. Again, uh, the art was done in this series by Paco Medina, which is just fantastic. Oh, okay. uh, I've never experienced this art that I know since reading comics. Uh, <laughs> it's wonderful. I think it's, it's so crisp and clean and the colors are wonderful. Uh, who are those by? Uh, David Curiel. Uh, wonderful. It's just a a really freaking good looking book that I like a lot. And so I'm going to keep reading this. I'm really happy that Guardians of the Galaxy made me read some more Marvel comics. I'm going to give this four slices of meatloaf.
1: All right, cool. That is uh, Legendary Star-Lord number three out last week from Marvel Comics. Yep. Very, very cool. All right, you can check out more reviews over at Majorspoilers.com, including a uh, review of... Um, uh, what was the one I was reading today that was really good? Um, burp, 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 nope, not even on the front page anymore. We have so that many... comic with the thing? We have so many reviews and so many stories popping up on Tuesdays, the day nice. of the week that I... That I despise the most Tuesdays. <laughs> Good thing, though, is all those sneak peeks are giving you a, a heads up for new comic book day, which is Once always Wednesday. Wednesday. Exactly. Uh, Hawkeye versus Deadpool number zero. Uh. Uh, you, can go, you can go read a review of that over at Major Spoilers. Uh, you can also over at MajorSpoilers.com find the Major Spoilers poll of the week.
0: Poll of the week.
1: So, uh, Star Trek celebrated a big milestone this week. Yeah, yeah what's that? It was, um, I think it was a Monday. Yeah. Let's see. What's today? Tuesday. Yeah, Monday. Star Trek uh, made its debut on NBC with its uh, first episode. So, How many uh, years ago? Wow, well, 66 or whatever it was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, you can do the math, Zach, right? 1,000 uh, 1, years ago. Oh, my gosh. In the star date 2107.65. Wow, 0.65. Yep.
2: That's like July 4th or something.
1: Yeah, exactly. So. The uh, you know There are some people that have never watched Star Trek, mm. like Zach. Uh, mm.
2: Yes, I have never watched anything Star Trek besides the first J.J. Abrams movie. And yeah, there...
1: didn't, You didn't see the second one? Not yet. Nope. Okay. <laughs> and sure. some of us have grown up on Star Trek. I mean, we've seen it in the reruns. We watched it on our Sunday mornings before Wild Wild West or after Wild That's Wild right. West. Mm. And um, some of us have uh, great love for the movies and some of us don't have a lot of love for anything related to Star Trek. Maybe it's because of the cheesy sets, the cheesy dialogue, some of the uh, some of the poorly conceived ideas and some of the future installments of the series. Um, but the question this week is, do you love or do you hate Star Trek? Matthew?
0: Well, let me answer your question with a statement. The man trap. Which was the first televised episode? Took place on Star Date One Five One Three Point One.
3: There really is points. Yeah,
0: yeah, there are points. Uh, This
3: is a Star Date, Zach. Well, a Star Date. I just changed my
0: answer. The Star Dates (laughs) are originally pretty random, but by the time of Next Gen, you can kind of estimate that uh, a I think it's a thousand is like a year or something. I don't remember. But the point ones are basically a day, uh, for all intents and purposes. So, knowing what I know and what I've just told you, yeah, I I love me some Star Trek, especially the original series, uh, especially, especially Deep Space Nine. Anything involving Elam Garrick, the humble tailor, who is clearly not a former spy, torturer, bastard of the Kardashian empire. Kardashians, by the way, changed their names in the 23rd century, uh, Zach. That's actually what happens if you have too much plastic surgery. You turn into a guy with a snake for a neck, so... Yeah, I love me some Star Trek. And I think that some of the major original American characters of the 20th century came from Star Trek. So you got that going for you, which is nice.
1: Uh, I went ahead and said, you know, I do like Star Trek, love Star Trek. Um, I think there are some stories and some series that do kind of stand up over time. But, if you go back and look at some of the unenhanced original <laughs> Star Trek, the Next Generation yeah, stuff, and don't of course watch now that's now don't you know now me. they're doing the uh the stuff with the original series and next generation, where they're going in and redoing all of the special effects and they're cleaning up everything and and making it look nice and fancy, which does make it look a lot more modern, but uh, I remember in Oh, the early 2000s going back and watching like Farpoint Station and just going, uh-huh. oh, my God, what the hell was I thinking
0: Do you watching this show? Huh? The creature that explodes at the end of season one. And it's so it was so scary in 1987. But watching it now, it literally looks like claymation. It's like an episode of Mr. Bill. It's just, yeah, yeah, the one where uh, not aged. Well. Yeah, where, where
1: yard alien, yard you know, eyes. Uh, oh,
0: no, that's terrible, too. Yeah, no, that's up. like a goop. Where you it's like yeah. a pile of goop. Yeah. I think that kills. I think this is the conspiracy, is the name of. The oh, episode. okay. It's where, uh, where Commander Remick turns out to be entirely full of tiny uh, uh, rubber. I scrunchies.
1: actually, I actually liked Enterprise. I know a lot of people hate that series. I actually liked it. I liked Deep Space Nine. Wasn't a big fan of uh, Voyager. Um, like the original series, and. Uh, Mixed feelings on the original, or uh, the next generation. Uh, there were some seasons that were really good, and there were some seasons that just felt like we got to keep our budget low, and so everything's going to be taking place on, on the, the bridge. bridge. Yeah, everything takes place on the bridge, and then there are some seasons where they had a little bit more money, and they're like, hey, we're going to go have our 23rd holodeck adventure this season. Yeah. Um, Fedoras for everyone. <laughs> yes, or Sherlock Holmes or anything like that. So even though I think that there are some some low points in in the Star Trek franchise. I still said I love it, and I think that there are some good stories and some good uh, messages that come out after all of this time. Zach, you want to take a crack?
2: Yeah, sure. This one, uh, there's no middle ground for me to just plant my flag in for this one. So uh, I'm going to go with, I love Star Trek because uh, I know a lot of people enjoy the thing. I don't want to hurt their feelings. I've only watched uh, one thing of Star Trek. And, uh, you know what? I enjoyed it. I thought it was nice. It was fun. Uh, there was a lot of explosions and bing zips and booms. Um, I'm sure... No, I'm not even going to say that. I was going to say I'm sure if I went back and watched it, I'd like it. Probably wouldn't. I don't know why. I just it, Star Trek has never been my thing. I've never really been interested in the property. Um, but I won't disparage the great name of Star Trek because I know like how important culturally, culturally the original series was and stuff. So I I wouldn't uh, go against Star Trek and say I hate it. So I love
3: Star Trek. Rodrigo? Well, Star Trek certainly has a lot of problems here and there, but uh, I'm I'm with Zach in that uh, when I take all of the stuff from Star Trek that I've seen, which is a little bit more than one movie, but not that much more. Oh, really? Okay. Um, I... All in all, I come out with a a positive experience out of the thing. Mm -hmm. There are some episodes of the original Star Trek, some episodes of the next. I think of every Star Trek that are hella boring. Yeah. Like (laughs) episode for episode, Star Trek has some real dullards. Yeah. That are just like, man, when is this going to (laughs) end? And then you, on Netflix, you go to the next episode and the next episode is like, oh, when is this one going to end? Yep. Um, but also there's lots of stuff that's fun about it. In the end, for me, um, at a, at a mile away view as a franchise, I do love Star Trek. I just kind of don't like to get into the nitty gritty of it, Mm -hmm. uh, because there's some stuff that is actually just really slow. Yeah. It's like the technology is fun. A lot of the ideas are interesting. It's like, it's what... I mean, it took sci-fi kind of in its own direction, mm-hmm. right? It's mm-hmm. like if you want something that is like, we have to make moral choices through science fiction, like that's what Star Trek is, right? And that's more, what it, more so than any that that almost any modern uh, franchise or
1: or or work. And I think that that's what Gene Roddenberry, you know, yeah. credit. I mean, this could have turned into a. I'm not going to disparage Battlestar Galactica, but it could have turned into a Buck Rogers in the 25th century sure. where they're not tackling social issues. Right. And what right. what Star Trek did is it did tackle the social right. issues right. of the day and it yeah. put it in a kind of a fun environment so that you could have total escapism or you could really look and see the very first interracial kiss on television and go, wow, that's uh, it's going to shake up my thought process a little bit but i'm either okay with it or i'm not okay with it. So you can do you can do two things with sci-fi.
3: You can make it an action thing or you can make it a thought piece. And more often than not, Star Trek made them thought pieces not necessarily because that's not necessarily because that's all they wanted to do with it, but because of budget constraints. Right, right. Um so that's that's a good example of how budget can actually some somewhat improve a piece. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, well, we don't have the budget, so let's make an episode where Kirk has to sit there and think and, and yeah, like yeah. think yeah. for the majority, yeah. Right, yeah. right, 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 yeah. and and listen to normal-looking people who maybe have pointy ears, mm-hmm. like weigh the options.
1: Um, so altogether, I I definitely say that I, I love Star Trek, and I think that's what most people have already said in the uh, in the poll voting so far this week.
0: Oh yeah, ninety four percent of the votes we have right now, just shy of a hundred in play, all say they love Star Trek. Only six percent hate it, and I'm wondering how many of them actually hate it, or if they just don't want to love it. I don't know.
1: Well, but- I mean, there are some people that truly hate Star Trek. There are people that truly hate Star Wars. There are people that truly hate fill in the blank. You know, so I think,
0: you know, I
3: uh, for me, I think. If if I sat down, like I've seen the entirety of the first season of the Next Generation, mm-hmm. scattered, um, first like and scattered episodes of every other type of Star Trek except right. for Enterprise. I don't think I've ever seen an episode of Enterprise. Um, and I've seen Star Trek Generations and Wrath of Khan. Mm-hmm. Yep. Between all of those things, if I was to pick ten things, I could find ten things that would make me hate Star Trek. Oh sure, sure, like, sure. Yeah. There's a combination in there of, like, boring, Mm -hmm. dumb, and, like, heavy-handed, like, social issues, but, like, in, in like, just the worst possible—handling them in the worst possible Mm -hmm. way. That's in Star Trek, too. So I can totally understand if somebody is turned off of the the property. Yeah,
1: if you are—Zach, if you are a non-Star Trek fan, Mm -hmm. I would suggest you go read uh, Jason Inman's article over at Majorspoilers.com that he posted today. Uh, or this week, depending on when you're listening. Five best Star Trek episodes all non-Trek fans should watch. I mentioned that earlier before. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he basically covers the gamut from many of the series, and I think some of the uh, his top one will surprise you. I have it on good word that we might see a top female characters in the Star Trek universe uh, uh, appear cool. later this week. So you want to keep your eye over on Majorspoilers.com for Star Trek-related goodness all week long. Also want to give a uh, shout-out to our sponsor, Tweaked Audio. Thank you for uh, sponsoring this episode, tweakedaudio.com. When you head over to tweakedaudio.com, you'd be saying to yourself, why am I going to tweakedaudio.com, Stephen?
0: I don't know. Why? Yeah. Why am I going to...
1: Because you want to get a great pair of headphones, and they have them. Uh, they come in a variety of different colors, variety of different styles, some of them with microphones, some of them without microphones, but they sound great. They look great. Uh, there's a. I was uh, getting ready to jump on my bike today and ride, and I saw this uh, pair of earbuds sitting down on the table, and I said, hey, I know tweaked audio earbuds, and you earbuds are no tweaked audio (laughs) headphones. You can tell from a mile away that these were really crappy headphones, and I don't even know why I had them here, but I went and searched out my tweaked audio headphones, found them, loved them. They stay in place. They go in. They sound great. They look great. And best of all, listeners, when you head over to tweakedaudio.com, enter the checkout code MAJOR, and get 30% off the price. Am
2: I wrong in thinking that they actually put out some over-the-head Headphones?
1: I don't know. Let's go over to tweaked yeah, audio. I thought and it was over there like the other
2: day. Over and the I swore headphones. Yeah. Over the head earphones.
1: You mean cans?
2: Yeah, some can cans.
0: Not can cans. Those are no
2: Okay, fans. sure. I Those guess that's
1: fun. Yes they do. Look at that. As in fact, Look they are that. called they are called the Eddie headphones, the tweaked Eddie headphones. They go over oh, your nice. ears if you want to have that comfort. I know some people Uh, And here's the thing about the tweaked audio headphones. You can find the little earbud ones Mm -hmm. that just kind of sit in your ears. That's the kind that I prefer. They do have like this California green with the little thing that shoves down into your ear canal uh, to really block out sound. I'm not a big fan of those because I don't like... They never fit in my ears Uh, quite right. So I'm not a big fan of those, but there are some people that like those. And some people don't like putting anything in your ear. You're know, you not supposed to put anything smaller than your elbow in your ear, Zach. Yeah, like your thumb. Exactly. (laughs) What? So that's why... That's why they have these uh, tweaked Eddie headphones. eighty nine ninety five. but guess what? 30% off your price to get a pair of those? There you go. Tell I, you I what, just realized kids.
0: today I need a new set of cans. I may be going to tweaked audio this month.
1: Yep, use the checkout code MAJOR and get 30% off your price. Thank you, tweaked audio, for your support. The Salt Lake City Comic Con uh, just wrapped up this past weekend, and we're still waiting for some official numbers as of this recording, but with all of the, um, I don't know, I I would say brouhaha surrounding the uh, San Diego Comic Con, suing the Salt Lake City Comic-Con over the word Comic-Con, uh, I thought it would be a good idea for us to sit down once again with Dr. Melissa Hunsucker walburn at Fort Hayes State University. She is a licensed uh, attorney, and uh, we're going to talk trademarks today, and, and specifically talk about this Salt Lake City lawsuit. So, Melissa, thanks for joining us once again. My pleasure. So, last time we talked about copyright, we talked about Jack Kirby, uh, you know, another thing, especially in law, is trademarks. So, maybe we just ought to start off really quick with a, a You know the nickel version of trademark law and what it
4: does. Okay, well, trademark law falls under the umbrella of intellectual property law, so it's it's in the same family of law as patents, copyrights, trademarks, trade secrets. They're all intellectual property law, and trademark law um, is is can be a byproduct of both federal and state laws. Um, Everything that has been indicated in this lawsuit is as it relates to federal statute, just to be clear about that. But basically, um, trademark law is designed to protect the consumer as much as a person who is engaged in a commercial enterprise. Um, Basically, a trademark is going to be any word, symbol, or phrase that a entity uses to identify its goods.
1: Coca-Cola, uh, for example, yep. McDonald's. Yep.
4: And so the benefit to you as a business is that you have the opportunity then from trademark protection to have your, build, your business build a brand, to mm-hmm. build goodwill, to build a reputation, then that consumers can rely on when they're shopping for goods in the marketplace. Right. So, so you know, it's a lot of intellectual property protections are designed to protect the creator of an idea or the creator of a story or the creator of a, of a musical piece and trademark is a little bit different because it really is designed to protect consumers as much as it is the person who's built the brand because consumers ought to be able to rely on if I buy an Apple product in the marketplace that I am getting a product that stands up to the quality and reputation, customer support, whatever that I have associated with the Apple brand, I should be able to rely on that being Mm -hmm. that good.
1: So some cheap knockoff, which could harm the brand in some way.
4: Right. And, um, you know, like some other elements of intellectual property, um, you have, you can claim that you have a trademark in the word, color, symbol, phrase that you use to identify your goods. Um, either by registering it with the mm-hmm. U.S. Patent and Trademark Office or by simply using it in commerce. Mm-hmm. And um, so you can register your mark, but you don't have to. If you haven't registered right. your mark, that doesn't mean you won't have trademark protection. But you do have the benefit of if you register the mark, you've constructively put the whole world on notice that your mark has been evaluated, that, you're, that somebody else trying to create a mark, um, if they've done their due diligence, they'll go to the Patent and Trademark Office and see that that name is taken or mm-hmm. that that name is is in use, Mm -hmm. Um, and and also you can kind of identify where the mark might be being used and for what goods and services, and all of those things become relevant.
1: It's interesting that you mentioned Apple, because Mm -hmm. years and years and years ago, there was a a big to-do over Apple the Computer Company and Apple Records, which have very similar logos, and Apple bitten out of it. Uh, One of them is the Beatles, the other one is Steve Jobs, and um, my understanding of that was as long as the two as long as uh, Apple the computer company wasn't getting involved in music then there was not going to be any problem but the minute that Apple announced the iPod suddenly uh, Apple the recording company said wait a minute now it's time for us to uh, settle down and, and figure something out mm-hmm. um, and so that's kind of what we're what we're talking about here how you can have two logos that are totally separate uh, products in the marketplace or a state company it may have a logo that's similar to another company mm-hmm. in another state. But when we're talking about federal and national, this is where things get a little crazy. And maybe that's where this uh, falls back into the San Diego Comic-Con and the Salt Lake City Comic-Con. Now, Salt Lake City Comic-Con, this is their third year uh, doing things. Mm-hmm. Um, their first year—well, I should say it's their third show. Um, their first year was amazing. They had um, 130,000 people show up. They were expecting more this year because they had a bigger space. It was so successful, they had to create the Fan Expo in the fall. Um, and everyone was like, oh, that's nice. And then this year, during the San Diego Comic-Con, um, Salt Lake City decided to take this that opportunity to let everyone know that, hey— San Diego's suing us because of the word Comic-Con, and... Can you give us a little background on this because it's it really is a crazy case. Yeah,
4: well, and I'll be honest, you know, um, I did a little digging because you know you gave me the the context of how of our of our trademark conversation, and so so I did a little bit of digging because I hadn't followed this explicitly, and I, I I'll be honest, I came up with a a little I was puzzled. Um, it was easy for me to understand why San Diego um might believe that it has a trademark because it is true when you go to the to the lawsuit that is it entirely represents what they're claiming right. and even when you look at the articles written about their claims you know they're saying we have a trademark they identify their trademarks mm-hmm. by number they reference them and um so I kind of went to look to see what what it was that they'd actually trademarked though because you know because a trademark can be a word symbol or phrase i thought You know, is it that you have a a logo that it is the compilation of colors and the shape and Mm -hmm. the way that the the graphic Mm -hmm. is put together? That could be trademarked, but that doesn't mean the words, quote, comic con are pieces that nobody else can use. Right. And that's kind of where I I arrive at, you know, with my first blushes. Um, I can certainly see that they would, San Diego would rightfully have an issue with Salt Lake if it were that... um, The Salt Lake icon looked confusingly like... The, the San Diego but, but when Con we look like it, doesn't.
1: they're using a very uh, modern font for mm-hmm. their uh, Salt Lake City Comic Con. It's a square. It's yes. got the uh, Salt Lake City. Um, uh, what is it? The skyline. So it's,
4: yeah, it's got a silhouette of a mountain range mm-hmm. and, a, and a city skyline with skyscrapers. Um, it's it's square. Mm-hmm. It is square compared to San Diego's, which is kind of a a uh, more more like a vertical rectangle. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course,
1: everyone knows Comic Con has the big giant. Eye looking at you all the time.
4: Yeah, and and there's no eye at all mm-hmm. in the Salt Lake logo, and so so for me, I I really um, when San Diego claims in their it's suit that people are confused about these sorts of things, it was a little difficult for me to identify. So- whether that was really correct.
1: So let me ask you this, though. San Diego Comic-Con is really, the official title is Comic-Con International colon San Diego. Mm -hmm. The idea being that they could do a Comic-Con International in Japan or Comic-Con International Toronto and it would still be part of this uh, nonprofit organization, but everybody abbreviates the San Diego Comic-Con as SDCC. Mm -hmm. Salt Lake City Comic-Con, SLCC. Is that close enough to... I would, Cause confusion?
4: I, if you know, based on what they what they've claimed in their lawsuit, um, they would probably like to have you on their team of lawyers because they have not made that claim. But I think that is a better claim than some of the claims they've made. Okay. Um, I would say that if they were to say that when people are tw- doing Twitter feeds and mm-hmm. abbreviating and truncating that, right, um, that it then you might have people in social media on on Facebook that are confusing the brands. Mm-hmm. Um, but but you know, when you go back to the what started it all, it was the fact that an Audi eight yes. rolled up in this
1: was planning with, to.
4: Yeah, with yeah, with a skin um advertising the Salt Lake Comic Con at the San Diego Comic Con. Um and so it was wasn't in that truncated version or anything else. Mm-hmm. And but that seems to be kind of kind of the uh the You know, thumbing, nose thumbing that started it all. Right. Um, But it's, you know, in in trademark law, you know, so you can assert that you have a trademark. And you can, just because you have a trademark, doesn't mean you keep a trademark. Hmm. Um, That's
1: really good to know because mm -hmm. uh, in the past, you know, aspirin is a word that we've, Mm -hmm. has moved into common lexicon, Mm -hmm. Kleenex, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Band-Aid, more or less we could say Xerox is the same way when Mm -hmm. we're referring to to, uh, copying. Mm -hmm. Yet those four words all at one point were owned by another company. Uh, you had uh, uh, Bear is the owner of Aspirin, or was mm-hmm. um, Johnson and Johnson was Kleenex and Band-Aid, I believe, and of course Xerox Corporation. Because of this, mm-hmm. the thing with trademark though is you have to you have to police people who violate that.
4: There's a yeah that you may, you bring up a couple of good points. Um, so first of all, if you're if if you're going to evaluate whether something is more likely to be protected or protectable mm-hmm. under trademark law, the, the spectrum looks something like this with generic on one side and arbitrary on the, on the polar opposite side. Mm-hmm. Um, the more generic a term is, the less likely it's going to be, be able to be protected. The more arbitrary, mm-hmm. the better. Um, so there's that first litmus test of when it's used in commerce for the initial time, you might have something like Xerox. Mm-hmm. You, you know, when you hear the word Xerox... Um, I certainly don't think. I mean, now people think office products or whatever, but in 1970, whatever, there was there was no association. Yeah, it was a typewriter company, right? Um, and so certainly that is that is as arbitrary as it gets. But what happens in, when something then is used in commerce? If if over time that trademark word becomes the substitute like cotton swabs yes. no longer mm-hmm. cotton swabs most of us just call them q-tips right so q-tips was arbitrary a mm-hmm. q-tip a q for a cotton tip swab it's not, you might even call it a c-tip and it make more sense so right certainly it doesn't seem like you get anything more arbitrary than a q-tip but then over time as the as markets and consumers start using q-tip Just as a substitute for the word cotton swap, then Q-tip becomes the word, and you do then lose, um, it's called genericide. Right. It becomes generic.
1: You know, whenever I was working, um, for a media company years ago, Mm -hmm. um, it, wasn't, it was more like a common courtesy. We just want to make sure mm-hmm. that you know the proper name of this product. So Adobe contacted really everybody and was saying, when you use the word Photoshop, make sure that you say Adobe Photoshop. Make sure that you don't use Photoshop as a verb, meaning don't say that you Photoshopped uh, this this picture because that lessens our brand. And they had a big campaign for about a year where they constantly went out and said, hey, Make sure you're using this in the correct context. You don't have to put the C. You don't have to put the TM. But we want to make sure that you're using the same context. Recently, there was a comic book publisher uh, that contacted um, their press relations people and said, hey, when you're using our name, you need to make sure you're using it in this specific way. And I don't want to give the company away because I do like them. Mm -hmm. Um, But they had to make sure that you were using it in the correct punctuation and the correct capitalization and all of this stuff um, Mm -hmm. to make sure that Mm
5: -hmm.
1: it didn't become... Generic. Mm -hmm. So when we look at McDonald's, we would say that is very arbitrary, right? Right. But when we say Comic Con,
4: Yes, well, and, and so you're you're lining me up for the middle part of the spectrum. So if on one side is generic and on the other side is arbitrary, generic is going to be less likely to get any protection or very little protection at all. But the more gen, the more fanciful or arbitrary it is, the more likely there's two places in the middle, which is the gray area, um, su- mar- marks that are suggestive, um, and marks that are descriptive. And if a mark is descriptive. It tends to be a little closer to generic. And Mm -hmm. so, again, when I'm looking at Comic-Con con being short for i mean i, I suppose convention it, bear with me but if yeah. comic con were hey these are a bunch of inmates right. that come together and write comics i might even be willing to say oh well there has a secondary meaning right. which means it's a, there's a suggested second meaning that kind of moves it up the scale mm-hmm. toward something that's fanciful but when you take that comic con does mean comic convention comic conference something which is a you know a, an opportunity for people to come together in the spirit of exchanging information ideas and whatever about comics it really is descriptive at right. best if right. not generic right. in my opinion and so so I do have and, and part of what Comic Con from the San Diego folks um, perspective um, part of what they're claiming is that um, you know we've had this for a long time we've had this trademark since the 70s and, right. and whatever and um, you know it's hard for me to understand what point they're trying to make in longevity because a lot of times longevity counts against you in that it's been out there long enough to be used in a way that becomes generic.
1: Right. So that brings up a couple of other things. Mm -hmm. Um, There are hundreds of other comic conventions that go on around the world every year, all of them using some derivative of Comic-Con. So um, in 1996... Uh, San Diego Comic-Con tried to sue the Wizard I'm not sorry now it's the Wizard um, event but it was then called the Chicago Mm Comic-Con and they tried to sue them over the same kind of trademark infringement and they
4: lost Mm mm-hmm
1: that should set a precedent, right?
4: Well, it should, and you know, courts are bound to generally by precedent coming out of, the, of a similar level of court. Mm-hmm. Um, so, without being familiar with that lawsuit, I don't know if that was at a state level or a federal level, which circuit. But if this, if that were precedent in the same circuit that this is being heard in, which is in California, mm-hmm. um, then that should be. I, I would look for this to get dismissed without much consideration.
1: Okay, so let but, me throw in another twist here. Mm-hmm. Um, the Chicago Comic Con was Comic Con, all word, all one word. C O M I C C O N, one word all together. Mm-hmm. Uh, San Diego Comic Con is Comic Con. Yep. Salt Lake City has no hyphen in between the comic and the con. Mm-hmm. And there are many other Comic Cons out there. The Baltimore Comic Con, uh, I think that one. Uh, there's, there's one of them that. Um, actually drops the second middle C and it's just Uh Comic-Con essentially. Uh Um, And then there's different derivatives of capital C or lowercase c and all together. What does that bear into this trademark case? Well,
4: there is a couple things. One, I I would say that for those folks that are Playing on the different ways you can make Comic Con and have it be different, Mm -hmm. they're trying to put themselves in a safer place. Okay, that there probably is, from their perspective, a a little area of uh, they're not sure, and so Mm -hmm. wouldn't it be better to set ourselves apart, um, so that we don't that we're immune from that? That said, um, you know, I did a little digging on on this registration, and I and I thought it was interesting that the same folks that have trademarked, registered. San Diego Comic Con with the space, not the hyphen. Um, they used to have Comic Hyphen Con mm. trademark too, and it's now dead. Um, and mm. so, in some regards, I just wonder. And this is just completely, entirely speculative on me in the in the time that I've had to kind of look at this. Um, it almost suggests to me that they recognized that they had done a poor job policing. Mm-hmm. To avoid comic-con becoming generic. Mm-hmm. And so then they wanted to make sure that Comic Space Con was trademarked, and they have built a brand from that. Like when I looked at the trademark registry, it looked as though um, LA Comic Con, San mm-hmm. Francisco, San Diego, um, and maybe even Chicago are all associated with that same Comic Con International. Right. But then you do have like Denver, Denver Comic Con, right. which runs with a space mm-hmm. and not a hyphen, mm-hmm. and that is that was a recent. Registry 2014 mm-hmm. and um, and trademarkable. Right. So to me that suggests that the trademark office has allowed a lot of people to use a lot of different variations of Comic Con hyphen no hyphen whatever, and they're allowing people to trademark the uniqueness of adding Denver to it right. or taking it to a place that you know you can use the words Comic Con mm-hmm. and still build something that's a unique identifier. Because here's what's happened or here's what happens: your Salt Lake Comic Con, and it's not about Comic Con as much as it is about the mountain range and the koozies and the bumper stickers and the car skin that you're going to put on. And Mm -hmm. so it's really um, the value add from, from all of those things. And I think that San Diego... Is going to have a real difficult time saying that they that the, the the gold star standard and is it infringement? So you so we established it. Yeah, it's trademarked. And maybe if we even said it wasn't generic, hadn't hadn't become generic, um, you also have to say that there's a, a likelihood of confusion. And you know it, it's really difficult to for me to identify at least that people would really be confused about these two events. I mean, I, I don't look at these things anyway and think that there's any similarity. Or, if I'm going to be confused, I'm going to be confused that any Comic-Con I see is associated with these folks, and there are so many Comic-Cons right. out there. Right, right. And that also goes, I think, I think that goes in a strong way against San Diego, that they have allowed many of these companies um, to register or to use in commerce. And again, mm-hmm. you can do it either way. It's not like one is more of a right than the other. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been a lot of people using, using Comic-Con that they've not bothered with.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and so. a little speculation on my part, and our listeners have heard me say this before, mm-hmm. but when we talk about the largest comic book convention in the world, <laughs> or well, in the United States, because certainly there is a huge convention in uh, Japan that dwarfs everybody else. Uh, But when we talk about the largest comic convention in North America, people instantly think, oh, San Diego Mm -hmm. Comic-Con. They've had some size issues over the last couple of years where the the convention center can't expand fire marshal codes, caps ticket sales at 130,000 ticket sales. So Salt Lake City comes up, and they're just over the mountains— and suddenly they become the world's largest comic convention or north america's largest comic convention is that a little pride hurt that could also have pushed this uh suit to the forefront
4: i th- i absolutely think i absolutely think so because it's really not at this point i do i look at you know because if you're I also took the liberty this morning of looking at uh, ticket sales. I went mm-hmm. to Ticketmaster mm-hmm. just to see how many... If I were looking for any Comic-Con, what are my options? And Austin, by the way, mm-hmm. is having a Comic-Con coming up. And uh, what, I, what was the most obvious to me was the um, huge disparity, of, disparity in price. Right. Um, and so certainly, yes, if you're San Diego Comic-Con and you are suddenly feeling like people... Um, are going to be going to Salt Lake who either can't get into your venue or can't afford to be in your venue, um, it's really more of a pecuniary loss right. and loss of profits than it is really in how Salt Lake is hurting your brand right. or tarnishing your image because all those things are things that courts look at too. You know, Never mind whether people are confused, the fact that um, you're using our comic con in a way mm-hmm. that is harmful to us or mm-hmm. or makes our reputation, you know, I mean if if salt Lake comic con were actually not a reputable comic con and something that was right. a farce and a you know a, a place that you know, if it was an event that was poorly organized and, 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 and so being confused then with San Diego caused San Diego to also have some of that residual effect of God, now people think we're that same joke outfit
1: Mm
5: -hmm. that
4: would even go to San Mm -hmm. Diego's case, but that's not the case because Salt Lake seems to be doing just the opposite, which is flowing to the top.
1: Well, so here's, you know, for years, people have been talking about when is, CCI going to leave San Diego because of the space issues. If they want to continue to grow and if they want to continue to bring uh, big names in and big people in, they have to move somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And so there was talk about, well, let's move to Los Angeles. Of course they've got the Anaheim Comic Con uh, that goes up there. They've got WonderCon that's also up in <laughs> Yep. They've got WonderCon, which is also theirs up in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, th- uh, the Moscone Center is not big enough to take on the San Diego Comic Con size. Um, Anaheim seems to be okay where it's at. Mm-hmm. So the location that I've been saying for years is you need to go to las vegas because they've got the largest convention center and it's an hour hour and a half flight from los angeles to las vegas uh, so that you can get all your hollywood big wigs to come out and do their big presentation and do all of that stuff mm-hmm. now salt lake city comes around they have more than enough space in their convention center to do mm-hmm. um, 180,000, i think uh, and it's also probably an hour, hour and a half, two-hour flight mm-hmm. from Los Angeles. So there could be some potential revenue lost if suddenly Salt Lake becomes the Comic-Con that people, I should say comic book convention, that mm-hmm. people want to go to.
4: Mm-hmm. And I, and, I, and really, just from my armchair quarterback perspective, yeah. that seems to be entirely what this is about. Because um, if I look at the legal standards, likelihood of confusion, mm-hmm. um, harm to the brand, mm-hmm. any of those other things, none of that adds up. I'm I mean, it really, um, it really does seem to be um, just how to get a competitive edge. So you don't think this,
1: this is going to go you
4: know, anywhere? We'll see. Uh, and that's kind of I left left our last conversation with a whole lot of. Well, it'll be interesting right. awesome to see what happens. Right. We'll see, let's and
1: we see ha- still haven't heard anything on that. And we still haven't. Right. No.
4: And um, th- that's kind of the way we'll see. But if you ask me right now, if I were sitting in in a judge's seat looking at the things that I've pulled together today, understanding trademark law the way I do, um, I would I. I would dismiss this immediately. Um, because, and and for the biggest reasons is I do think that there's, there's evidence that comic con, those words, Mm -hmm. um, are generic. Mm -hmm. So the only things then that become uniquely trademarkable then are the individual logos and compilations Mm -hmm. of putting San Diego on it or putting Salt Lake on it. Um, and there is no likelihood of confusion in any of those regards. And then, um, than the fact that San Diego, by its own assertion, has been around since 1970, and has done nothing right. until this point to um, to police against the use of the hy- I mean, because they had the hyphen Comic Con too, right. and they did nothing yeah. to to at ever at any point to to stop people from from creating festivals with that with those words, and so I, I just it's really difficult. I mean, if this if this gets any kind of traction, I would. I would certainly be surprised, but, um, and it does matter, you know, courts have often looked at the goods. Like if, if this were a, again, but humor me, Mm -hmm. if this were a comic, um, convention of inmates, right. So con has a play on words, um, you know, it's proximity to San Diego's comic con. Um, if this were the San Diego comic con, meaning convicts, um, even that would probably be different because what a court would say is, well, as long as your markets aren't even the same, Yeah, the same, yeah. Um, even though you, you you are really the same, it is Comic-Con and Comic-Con, the fact of the matter is people trying to find you are completely different communities mm-hmm. of people, completely mm-hmm. different markets. Um, and I, I go to a, a case that um, I was using in class the other day to show how how close this is, you know, I, I uh, used a hypothetical that, you know, if I'm, if I open Mel's donut shop, Mm -hmm. um, and somebody else owns Mel's donut shop, I have no, you know, if they sell tasty pastries and I sell tires, we're in the market for completely different goods. Right. Um, even if we're in the same community, the fact is, is we sell completely different goods.
1: So if I sell a soda called Pet Boys, then I don't have to worry about...
4: It, pro- probably not and of course it does depend on how you fashion <laughs> yeah, a lot, yeah, yeah. I mean, all those things kind of come together you're going to
1: have three faces on there but yeah,
4: but yeah. Um, and it's interesting because there was a boat company mm-hmm. so then I took it to, to how similar something can be and still right. be distinct and it, it, the first was a a a uh, a boat company called Slick, or I can, actually, I think Sleek Craft came first, but it was Sleek Craft. Mm-hmm. And um, both companies sell boats. It's Sleek Craft and Sleek Craft.
1: Yeah, I can see where that.
4: And even so, both selling boats, both selling boats in a similar geographic or a, a mm-hmm. s- sufficiently similar geographic footprint. Um, but they just des- they determined the court determined that well, but Sleek Craft was family recreational. Mm -hmm. watercraft Mm -hmm. and sleek craft were
1: industrial jet
4: boats fast boats yeah yeah Um, and so they found that it was not infringement because they even though they're
1: they're boats even though in that case it almost sounds like the potential for confusion is quite high because exactly. of the way people say the word. So let me ask yeah. you about a case that has just come up. Maybe you don't know about this.
4: I might not.
1: Uh, are you familiar with this uh, DJ called Dead Mouse? No. Okay. So he's a guy, goes out and DJs and he wears this big mouse head <laughs> with, you know, X's on the eyes for the dead mouse. Okay. Big smiley face. You've probably seen logos around mm-hmm. from some of the students. Um, so just this last week, Disney decided to sue because he was tra- applying for a trademark of Dead Mouse in the United States. He's already got some trademark in some other countries for his mouse logo. And Disney said, uh uh-uh, uh, that's too close like the the Disney mouse, and so we're suing you on this. Okay. Which is interesting in itself because again, if we're talking about logos, which is part of trademark,
5: mm-hmm.
1: when we talk about two very different groups, mm-hmm. the people that go and listen to Dead Mouse mm-hmm. are a lot different than the little kids who watch Mickey Mouse.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: And so that's going to be an interesting case as well. Now, uh, DJ and I forget what his um, full legal name is, but Dead Mouse came back and said, "Oh, you think you're going to sue me over our properties that aren't even uh, close to one another? Bring it on!" Bring uh, it of on. course, that's kind of dangerous to say to Disney, who've got you know bottomless pockets and uh, bottomless lawyers yeah. as well. That mm-hmm. uh, that's that's another one that's going to be very interesting.
4: That will be, and, and you you've identified the legal issues. I would say the same sorts of things that that um, if. And, and probably in that regard, they are looking at the image and its likeness mm-hmm. to a certain mouse. And um, but again, if unless somewhere in the Disney archive there is a a deceased <laughs> Mickey that has the X's on his yeah. eye, you know, I would even say that. Again, I would almost say they're different. Right. But even if Disney could win, saying no, we're the same, mm-hmm. then they still would have to in order. to to carry a case of infringement, they would have to say that that confusion mm-hmm. there's a likelihood of confusion, and I think that goes to the, you know, that would go to the DJ in that case because like our markets aren't even this. I mean, right. really. Um, and again, if DJ would start, you know, authoring kids books or putting programs on Nickelodeon, I mean, you baby. know, he does have you know uh,
1: people buy stickers, people buy artwork with the Dead Mouse logo on it. I mean, there could potentially be mm-hmm. some confusion, very much like I'm sure there's confusion if you had a skull. Uh, with a little pink bow on it, mm-hmm. and people would confuse that with Hello Kitty.
4: Right. Well, again, if if uh, and I don't think that that has been litigated. It hasn't been litigated I don't yet. Think that's but, been litigated. That you know, might be you Hello
1: Kitty's way. been around for forty years, so mm-hmm. I mean it's got longevity in the marketplace. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
4: Um, you know, again, right now I was the, the so far it has really it takes quite a bit to get it. I mean, you really have to be using something almost to the letter. Similar that like you, you know you almost have to be and intent matters right you know, do you ever
1: do you ever talk about in class the coca cola and cocaine logo
4: we well, not explicitly, but but we do talk about the similarities um, in using graphics and color mm-hmm. and and then we also talk about intent matters mm-hmm. you know if if you are trying to use a mark with the intent to create confusion right. that's that is going to be more infringement worthy yeah. than someone who just haphazardly starts a business like in, in this case the, the mouse right um you know if if it was that you know he, he's had an axe to grind and he's blogged for 30 years about how he thinks disney is an abusive powerhouse no, in the entertainment, just, just a dj then, then, he's just spinning records then then perhaps you could say well clearly that his choice of a deceased character um, caricature of a deceased mouse is is intentional but you know, it, it seems very, very inadvertent, which, again, yeah. I think plays to its favor. All right. Well, yeah, so. uh, well, thank you for taking the time to yes. talk to us about trademarks. Um, as
1: you said, the other third part of this is patent law. Yep. And um, while it's kind of dead in the water right now, maybe in a month or two we can sit down and talk about uh, the patent case involving podcasters that's and that's how, um, what is it, uh, not real audio, that's the... Uh, Another company, but this mm-hmm. company has come along and they've been suing major corporations over podcasting patent technology. And then they decided, oh well, now that we've tapped all of them out, let's go after the podcasters. Um, and then Adam Carolla has settled, didn't he? No, oh. it's not settled. No, Okay. Um, well, we'll talk about it soon, okay. but. But just needless to say, Adam didn't want to settle. They wanted to settle, and they wanted to drop the case. And both parties have come to some kind of an agreement uh, to not pursue one another. But we don't know what the terms of those are because they're sealed for another yep. 60 days, I think. Okay. So as soon as that comes out, maybe we can talk about uh, uh, patent law. And how does that you know impact... Comic books, pop culture, those kinds of things. So, mm-hmm. thank you so much for talking Absolutely. with me today. Thank you. Uh, if That's you want good. to find out about uh, more about Fort Hayes State University, they do have a great uh, online program. You can go and find that out at uh, fhsu for Fort Hayes State University dot edu slash virtual college. Or they can find out more about the informatics department at Fort Hayes State University at fhsu.edu slash informatics. Thank you so much, everybody, for downloading and sharing this podcast with a friend. I hope you found this enjoyable and interesting. Uh, so many of you did the last time. That's why we uh, came back again this time. And uh, next week, I think we're going to be talking about comics again. Why? Because we know that you love comics. We do, too. And we will talk with you soon.
5: Think think about a better way If I was hulking green or gray I could just bust through that brick wall Take their comic books away But then the little meat would deal With all the tanks and bombs and guns Have you ever tried to read a series With all that going on? Guess I mean to ripping this plan How would I back and board my comics With such huge hands? Guess I already told ya What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah what a major spoiler What a major spoiler If I'm stark raving rich like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the hard cold To follow an entire storyline would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fun Being in the Middle East With a gang throwing soldier what a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler. Whoa, 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 whoa. What a major spoiler.
2: Major Spoilers is copyright 2014.